Welcome back, Spokane, to another episode of Ever Real Talks. I am one of your two hosts, Matt Side. <laughs> and I'm Jessica Side. I wasn't I was like thinking about the fact that the last few times I've 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 said I'm your host. Exactly. And, and I was thinking and, about it too. I wanted to be more inclusive. I see that. Than I was like, oh, that's like very pointed, I think. <laughs> it sure was. Yeah. God, and I got it. God, it's fun doing a show with you, Jess. Oh, gee, thanks, honey. I appreciate it. I appreciate it's a it. Blast. We're going to talk about some investment property uh, stuff today, and uh, why don't you share with us, Jessica, kind of the inspiration for today's show? Yeah, it's super inspirational. No. We were we were out oh, we were out with another broker, and the broker had just listed um, some duplexes and said, "Hey, you guys should buy these duplexes because you know I know you guys like to invest in in real estate." And um, believe it or not, we did not have time to try and figure that out. And they are under contract at this point. Um, but it got our wheels spinning and, and thinking. Spinning is not good. Turning, rather. Turning. Yeah, spinning is like spinning not going we anywhere. going nowhere. Yeah, no, it got our wheels spinning about, no, turning. <laughs> I think her wheels are spinning. <laughs> um, no, it, it just got us to thinking about investment properties but specifically we want to just very quickly talk about duplexes triplexes and fourplexes i wanted to give my top three reasons the top three the top three this is the top three reasons why um someone might want to actually buy a duplex triplex or fourplex as their primary residence i love it let's okay. go for it okay and i'm doing a countdown Oh, so we're going from so three. So three down to one. Okay, so number three is what I call the one roof factor. Okay? And that's like, I sent him something about this. I was like, oh, we can talk about the one roof factor. And he's like, what are you talking about? In my mind, it's a I'll whole leave thing. Leave it to Jessica to make up like the words. Yeah, so here's the, here's the thing that I love about, um, think about this. You've got four units, but it's four units under one roof, which means... When the roof needs to be replaced, I know this is really simple, it's one roof that you have to replace instead of four different roofs. And if you're looking at investment properties, and you, roof is a great example because uh, they're really, really expensive. And if you can consolidate that into one thing, but it also works for the exterior, yeah. right? Like painting the exterior. Instead of painting four separate houses, you're painting one building. Um, and so there's just some things like that when you've got, or you, let's say you've got a, maybe you're going to maintain the yard because that's something really important to you. Now you got one yard instead of four different yards. So, well, and even if you're not the one maintaining it, like your expense, right? Like the cost to have a company come and maintain for snow and, and, uh, lawn and stuff is one versus four. Correct. So the one roof factor there you go number three number three number two is what i call the monthly mortgage money (laughs) wow it's even an alliteration i know it's an alliteration basically monthly mortgage money is that you as the person that has moved in that owns the property you are going to get money toward your own mortgage to pay for this house and i know that's simple oh you're talking because it's owner occupied i live in one unit i live in one of these units and now I'm getting money from everybody else to help me pay my mortgage. And that is incredible when you think about it. Well, this is an absolute hack to get into the real estate Hold market. Hold that back. At the, that's my number one. So don't don't ruin my number one. No. Okay. 
because the number one is purchase power plus, because this is the most important thing. There are so many people out there that are trying to figure out how to get into houses because they can't afford a $400,000 house. They can only afford a 250 or $300,000 house. Well, guess what? If you buy a duplex right now, most lenders are allowing you to count the income from that other unit as part of your income now. So you just need to be able to show them, listen, I'm going to, I, yeah, I used to only be able to be approved up to 350, let's just, or 300, let's say, but now look at, I'm going to buy this duplex and now I can count that $1,500 toward my, my buying power. That's huge. So the re and that's why it's the absolute number one reason to do something like this right now is because it, and I know some of you are thinking, I don't want to be a landlord. Listen, suck it up, buttercup. Yes. Like be a landlord for a little while, appreciate your real estate, pay down your loan for a little bit, and then either go out and buy another one and put a tenant in the one that you're in. If you, if you decide, oh, this was a good idea or yes. just sell it and move it into the next property. Correct. And I think that's one of the things that I, I get concerned about for my own children, you know, and anybody else who's got kids that are getting into that place where they could buy a house at some point. Listen, Matt and I sacrificed a lot when we first got married. We had almost nothing. We barely were able to buy our first house. Like it was uh, like the, by the skin of our teeth. And I think that it's okay. It's okay to struggle a little bit at the beginning and to when because if you sacrifice now I don't want to be a landlord right but you sacrifice now you will be able to have something that you would not have been able to had have you have it yeah yes <laughs> finish that sentence for me that you wouldn't I, be able to have if you hadn't taken taken the time and made the sacrifice at the beginning so it's it's my favorite quote if you do today what others won't you can do tomorrow what others can't that's the one. That's it. I mean, that's so. I mean, you don't have to do it, and it doesn't make you worse of a person. But no. I mean, it just changes the course of life if you but can't I, do I, certain things. And the reason why this was important to me is because I've seen so many people that are struggling, and so I would love it to see people be able to get into houses and be able to build for their future, for sure. Now, one of the, I think the first thing that we should mention when it comes to um, duplex, triplex, fourplex. The reason why we're not saying fiveplex or a sixplex or a so-and-so on, right? Is because the lending, the lending for um, two to four units is still considered a residential loan. And that makes a big difference for people. Yeah? Yeah. No, Are you're you gonna... right. Nope. That's fine. Okay. I feel like there's something there that he wants to say. But I think it's important that they do make a differentiation there. Um, uh, when it comes to lending, it's a lot easier for just all of us ordinary people out there to get a loan for something that's a fourplex and down. Did yeah, you have something that you wanted that, to say? Yeah, I guess I want to elaborate on that when you say residential, meaning that you can get FHA, you can get VA, mm -hmm. you can have it owner occupied, and so your down payments, and we've talked about this on past shows your down payments are significantly lower. Mm -hmm. If you're going into the five units and above mm -hmm. is commercial, you go into the world of commercial, you're going to be lucky to get away with 25% down. They're going to probably right. want more like 30% down. 
And so that can become challenging for someone to get into it. Yep. Uh, where you could move into a four unit building, a fourplex, mm-hmm. live in one of the units and have a 3% down payment or 0% if you're VA. And here's the thing. I actually think we've kind of given, I feel like we could almost start this episode over because this is not about investment property. We're t- kind of, at least my focus of some of the things I'm talking about is if you are someone who wants to buy a property to move into one of these units and rent out the rest. That's my mentality when I'm when I'm, today as I'm thinking about this So as a this is going to be a two-sided show because I'm 100% on running the numbers for gotcha. buying an okay. investment property. Right. So why don't we just kind of dive down your path like what's No, no, on no, your, no, no. No, we're going to no, do you first. We're not going to do that. Yeah. So kidding, we're not doing that. Anything else you wanted no, to add? No, I think All you right. should. Uh, let's 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 look at the numbers because those are so boring. No, this, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> what I here's the thing. I think people overcomplicate running numbers on investment property, and that's, that's good. what I wanted to do is just say it ain't rocket science. Cool. It's just basic math. You just need to know kind of what the math needs to be. So yes, I'm literally going to walk you through like what I look at when I'm analyzing a, a real estate investment transaction. And I have literally analyzed hundreds, if not thousands at this point. I know mm-hmm. that might seem like I'm blowing that up, but it's not. We could probably say I, hundreds and be for sure. Multiple hundreds. Yeah, no, anyway, a lot. Okay. A lot. So, uh, obviously you need to know certain things. You're going to have a, I have an Excel spreadsheet and no, I'm not going to share it with you because you can just make your own. I mean, it, my Excel spreadsheet evolves and has evolved over time when I'm like, Oh, I keep having to change that. Why don't I make that a formula? And so my spreadsheet isn't going to serve you, but come up with some system that you can analyze the data on all of the properties. Sure. So you need to know your purchase price, obviously, and you need to know the basics of your loan. So start with a conversation with your lender. Am I going to have 25% down? Am I going to get away with 10% or 15%? Because that's going to drive the, a whole bunch of the rest of your numbers. Right. Um, so at the, the high level, you're looking at money in and money out. And you'll want to make sure you have more money in than money out. Yes. So let's just go through the categories that I look at for money out. I'm going to start with the money that's going away. And then we'll talk. I mean, because money in is pretty simple. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. So debt service, your loan mortgage payment. And this is just principal and interest. And I know if you've only bought a primary residence, you're probably thinking loan payment, which is different than debt service. Because loan payments usually have mortgage Uh, or insurance and taxes in there. And those are separate for me in this calculation. Debt service will probably, unless you're buying cash or with a huge down payment, debt service is probably going to be your largest expense. Mm -hmm. And so make sure you know what those numbers are because even a change of a quarter of a percentage point can total, can make the deal not work. So get a pretty good idea of what you're going to be paying in debt service. Uh, The other thing that's, that is a, a number that you have to know are your utilities can I, I think it'd be good when okay. we say, oh, so this is a number we need to know. Where do we get that number? So yeah, totally. I have written down okay, some thoughts good. on that, but okay. I appreciate you making sure that we don't miss yeah. that. So first of all, what type of a property are you investing in and who's paying the utilities? Because a single family residence in Spokane County at this moment in time, most of the time, the tenant pays for water, sewer, garbage, electric, gas, all of that is theirs. So when you're running numbers on those properties, if that's how you're structuring your lease, who cares? You don't need that number. Right. However, two units, 
three units, four units, 10 units, a lot of those certain utilities, water, sewer, garbage specifically are almost always paid by the landlord because mm-hmm. the city or municipality that charges those doesn't split that up by unit. However, gas and electric usually are still split up by unit. So know what you're investing in and know what you as the owner, mm-hmm. landlord, are going to have to pay for. Right. Where do you get that information? You just contact the utilities. Right. So if it's in the city of Spokane proper, water, sewer, and garbage is through the city. You can call the city and get an average bill on those items. Right. Um, if it, and then a Vista as well if they're for gas or electric. Right. If you're in the Valley, Modern Electric is sometimes who you're going to be on. There's Vera. several out there, but so you can figure that Whitworth out. Worth Water if you're way up north. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, just contact the utility company. This is part of your due diligence. Right. Just figure out who you're making those payments to and mm-hmm. then how much those payments are going to average. For sure. Um, the next thing is maintenance expenses. Now, if you've never done this before and it's not disclosed to you, mm-hmm. like if you're buying an investment property like a duplex um, or a multi-unit property, if the owner has been running it as an investment property before, they should have some basic expenses. Now, they might not give that to you until you've made an offer. Mm-hmm. And you know they're not going to want to just give you anything and everything if you're not serious about the property, if you can't prove that you can actually buy it. So... If that's a number that you can't get till you're under contract, that's fine. Again, make that part of your due diligence. Say within this number of days, and your real estate broker should help you with this, within this number of days, I want to see financials for the last two or three years so that I can say, well, what are the average maintenance expenses? Like, How much money am I going to be shelling out to maintain this property in its current condition? Your inspections are also really important to be identifying whether that's just you or you, you pay an inspector, which we always encourage. To go through and say, okay, well, what sort of deferred maintenance is here? Things that they haven't been spending that money on. That you need on. to save up because for. Just because they haven't been spending money on maintenance doesn't mean they shouldn't have been. <laughs> and so not just things you should be saving up for, but things that you might inherit right now right. that are a problem. Sure, sure. This part of this heater doesn't work and this landlord hasn't fixed it, which is mm-hmm. why he or she isn't renting it out. Anyway, mm-hmm. so maintenance is a, an important number. Pull that from a prior owner if you have it. If not, you're going to have to figure out certain estimates on how much money do I think I'm going to need to spend based on your inspection of the condition of the property. Okay. Do you have any kind of like a baseline number that you try Not for maintenance. Not for maintenance. Okay. No. I mean, I'm going to go through the property and I'm going to identify things that I think I'm going to need to spend money on. There is another number for recurring capital expenditures, which is kind of a bit of a tiny budget that... Mm -hmm. Your, your, I would recommend putting in your numbers. Okay. So, but maintenance is not one of those things. Like it could be zero. Okay. It could be right. $400 a month. So, so far, let's just quickly mortgage. Nope. Utilities. Debt service. Debt service. I want to make sure and specify that. I got gotcha. you. Debt service, which is, which is principal and interest. So debt service. We've got, what did we say? Utilities. Utilities. And now we've got maintenance. maintenance. Okay. What else? All right. The next item is taxes. And that is an easy number. It should be disclosed on the MLS. If not, your broker can help you go find it from public record. It's not a secret. Right. What are your property taxes? Property taxes, to clarify, this is not yes. your income taxes. Right. Like That's a conversation that you and your accountant should have as to what sort of income liability this is going to be. Or not a liability. I don't know. Uh, insurance. What's it going to cost to insure the property? Mm-hmm. Where do you find this? Where would you find this, Jessica? I would call my insurance agent. Exactly. Just call the person that's going to insure the property. Yeah. You might find out that they're not going to insure an investment property. 
Yes, probably good to know, know that, that before you get started down this path. <laughs> yes, because it costs a little bit more. If it's an investment property, it usually costs more than a single family. And then you're going to need to have conversation with them around what what is the coverage? Is it just fire dwelling coverage? You know, what kind right. of liability is added on to that? Is it you know? Sure. Anyway, there's a conversation to be had. Conversation for sure. Got it. The recurring capital expenditures. So that is. I would say at a minimum should be two and a half percent of what your income that come is coming in. Okay. And that's you just the, basically saving it for a rainy day. Yes, and for bigger projects that will come in a rainy day down the road. So, like so a this roof. should be in addition, a roof in a rainy day. I get well, it. and if you look at capital expenditures, really are those kind of things improvements yeah. to the property. Yep. Um, but if you it, it will add on to the top of what your just general maintenance would be. Uh, you should probably estimate a vacancy rate. Because it's unlikely that it will always stay occupied. Mm-hmm. So right now, I'm playing around with like a 5% vacancy. Okay. Um, four or five years ago, I was probably closer to a 10% vacancy. Um, and basically, when you say when you say that, you're you're saying 5 or 10% of... The time. The rent? No. Yeah, this number is 5 or 10% of the... just helping people. ...of the rent number. Right. So... You, that's uh, that it should be an expense to you. I'm just just oh, helping that's people. Great. All right. Uh, property management fees. If you're not going to manage it yourself, how much are you paying a property manager? Because that's going to have to come out of your your uh, expense line as well. So those all should add up to your cash out. I will tell you that if you if you look at the property and you're going to say I got to put ten grand into this property to get it ready to rent, that to me is not a monthly expense. These right. are monthly money coming out of the rent that I make uh, versus things I have to do to get it rent ready. That to me is more of like money that I'm yeah. putting up front, my cash invested in addition to a down payment to sure. make this rent ready. Yeah. Okay. Questions at this point, Jessica. Nope. Think All we're right. good. That's our money out. Monthly rent. How much are you going to charge for this? If it's, again, a multi-unit property that's already been rented out, you can already see what they're renting. I would be very cautious to run your numbers on the, this could be rented for $500 more a month. Yeah. Well, then why aren't you renting it for $500 more a month? Yeah. So maybe it can be, maybe it can't be. I would be, uh, personally, I'm more conservative in the sense, like, I would rather have that be icing on the cake if I can go raise rents down the road. Right. But if you raise rents, it's likely that somebody's going to not want to pay that and move out. And now you've got an empty unit. So you have to be careful with that as well. So sure. where is your money coming in? If it's vacant right now, you need to go out into places like Facebook Marketplace or Zillow Rentals or places like that. Like pretend you're a tenant looking for a place to rent sure. and see what's out there. Yeah. Even so, we used to just drive around and see if we could find for rent signs. They're not as as prominent as they used to be yeah, but there's not as many houses yeah for, rent, for, for properties sure for rent. so that's your monthly rent in so now you've got money that you're spending you've got money that's coming in here's the simple math do you have more money that you're bringing in than you are spending how much more money is monthly totally about that monthly amount yeah monthly yeah it's totally up to you when we first started buying property a couple hundred bucks a month extra and we're like oh, yeah, that's cool that's great we'll go yeah. with that yeah. I'm probably going to lean more toward like 400, 500 or more at this point. You have to know what your comfort level is. Yep. Um, and if you're running conservative numbers, then you can make those numbers a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're really thinking, wow, well, I, I got really high rents and really low expenses, then maybe you should have a bigger cash flow there to kind of pad the potential for screwing that up. Um, 
The other thing too that I, so that's just cash flow. So to me, at the end of the day, most important thing, money in, money out. Do I have several hundred dollars a month extra that I'm putting in my pocket? Maybe that's extra per unit. And when I said 200 bucks, that would have been per, a per unit number. Sure, so a single family duplex, residence, right. So if it was a duplex, I would have right. wanted more, more like four. Now I'd probably want more like seven or eight, nine. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the other two numbers that people will talk about when looking at investments are cap rate and cash on cash return. Right. I think cap rate is only good if for comparing one investment to the other because unless you're buying that property cash, it's the capitalization rate's not relevant. It's the calculation is your net operating income divided by the purchase price. Okay. But if you're leveraging 75 or 80% of that purchase price, that cap rate's not a number that's really helpful to you other than for comparison. Sure. So So if you've got four houses or four properties that you're looking at and you can calculate the, the cap rate on each of those, you can go, oh, okay, that one is way better. Yes. This cap rate is seven. This cap rate is for this cap rate is 12 and a half. You're like, oh, well, first of all, why is this one so much higher than that one over there? Um, Because there could be some numbers not disclosed, right? Like some stuff, if you don't have the right expenses in there, it's going to look like it's got a higher cap rate. The number I'm more concerned with, which comes back to cash flow, is my cash on cash return. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to put $80,000 into a property between down payment, closing costs, and rehab to get it ready to rent, what is my return after all expenses on that cash? And that calculation is the cash invested divided by your cash flow annually. Uh, and that will give you your percentage of return on that cash. Right. And the reason that's important to me is because, you know, could I sit, stick it in a bond account or in <laughs> some sort of like secure insured deposit account and make as much, you know, if I'm only getting one or 2% cash right. on cash return, then why the heck am I buying a real estate piece of property like Correct. that's too much management for yeah. that kind of return for what you're getting so that's there good. you go Woohoo! that's how you run the numbers if you want more information and strategy on how to implement something like this please reach out to us we and people on our team would love to help you with that um, you can email us info at everreal.com you can call us at 509-62-HOUSE uh, and you can always search us on the social media channels. Just search for Everreal, E-V-O-R-E-A-L. Cool. Thanks, everybody. That's it for today. Bye. Bye.